0: You're listening to Research Inside Out, an inside look at research outside the classroom. This podcast is recorded at Lakehead University's Aurelia campus. I'm your host, Stephanie Edwards, and today I'm going to be talking with two professors from our Department of Sustainability Sciences, Dr. Tamara Laredo and Dr. Chris Murray. Chris and Tamara have worked on projects, both together and apart, on topics such as wastewater management, biodegradable plastics, and even coffee. Keep listening to find out more about their interests and why they both think that making their work available and accessible to a wider audience is an important part of the research process. Hi, and thank you for joining us today. Today I'm with Dr. Tamara Laredo from the Departments of Sustainability Sciences and Chemistry and Dr. Chris Murray from the Departments of Sustainability Sciences and Physics. Thank you both for joining me here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. So
0: before we kind of start, can you both give a quick overview of what your research is and what you do? Me first. Okay. Okay.
2: (laughs) So in terms of research, I think I've... uh, I think I have quite a and I maybe both of us have quite a wide interest in research in different areas of research. Mostly we I do environmental research. I've also done food research quite in depth. And during my PhD it was kind of biophysics kind of research. So it's really pretty much a bag of of, of disciplines and, and areas and so yeah, I mean we can go deeper on that if you want, but
1: Probably not. Overview? No, as far as we'll go.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever. I answered for you, too, anyways.
0: <laughs> it's over now. This, this yep. is, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris?
1: Um, most of my work is in either materials, so uh, polymers and plastics, or in stormwater and wastewater treatment, though there are other projects that I'll work on, like Tamara and I work on food a little bit together and, you know, different things that come up. But right now I'm looking at degradable plastics. And that's something that I've been looking at for a while. I'm trying to do the math in my head right now. 17 years in one way or the other. And then sort of small scale treatment of wastewater that you would find in different places, as well as runoff and storm water and that kind of thing. Sometimes those things intersect. Sometimes we find we're looking at materials that are also you know something that might be a biopolymer to use for wastewater treatment but sometimes they're completely separate too.
0: Okay so you're both interested in environmental research in one way or another what kind of led you down that path?
2: For me it didn't start until I, I came to Lakehead. It was it was mostly the way it started was during the uh, the hiring process one had to write a a research proposal, and i it, it could be it could have been on anything really. There was no no specific guidelines. I don't remember any specific guidelines, but I guess on a personal level, it's something I'm I'm, I'm interested in, and also it was a change of setting. It was coming to Lake Simcoe, and and it, there was the time when the Lake Simcoe Cleanup Act started to be this this big document that people had to start to abide through and. So I don't know, it just was like maybe we should do something environmental and that's how, for me, that's how it started. I didn't do any environmental research before. I mean, I did as, a, as an undergrad in, back in Venezuela on wastewater remediation, but it was only for a year. So yeah, I don't know, I was I was interested and that's what started it.
0: You've been working a bit longer on it, I guess, some
1: two years. <laughs> yeah, but not, not necessarily from from the point of view of doing something For environmental protection, I just meant looking at plastics and polymers and materials and that kind of thing. So, and when that started, it really didn't have a strong connection to what Gouda might do for environmental problems, besides looking at things that would degrade as a means of limiting stress on landfills and that kind of thing. And more recently, that, you know, looking at wastewater and stormwater, that's been motivated by. You know, community interest and, and sort of the strategic direction of funding agencies, as well as what what Lakehead's plan is for research. And that's sort of a key area of focus for us here in Aurelia and for Lakehead in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What was your, you said you wrote kind of like a research proposal? Yeah. What was that? Like did you end up kind of going through with it or was it more just an idea? Uh, it was
2: an idea in the end. We tried it, but it was a little bit, at the time I was writing it, assuming that i was there was going to be a great amount of equipment available for us and so it was something that was a little bit too cutting edge kind of thing mm-hmm. so it didn't it didn't translate into much but but the idea of doing environmental research re- remained so we've worked on a little bit of soil and water remediation and <clears throat> we just got some funding for water remediation and that's the idea is to continue it and And to continue it in a a way that we actually have the ability to work on it in terms of equipment, in terms of human power, with what we have here. And it is possible. It's just one has to realize that these are the, the tools that one has available.
0: Did one or either or both of you want to explain exactly what water remediation is and kind of why it's an important area to focus
2: on? Um... Well, water remediation is basically just you're, when you're remediating water, you're cleaning up water. So it could be, depending on what what you want to clean it up from, right? Like water remediation could be trying to diminish the amount of nutrients in the water, or it could also be trying to remove certain pollutants that are in the water that you know are anthropogenic and you want to remove them. It could also be... Remediation in any way that brings back the way the the water system should be naturally. So, like you could remediate shorelines, you could, remedi- but that's basically in in what I look at um, in remediation is we could look at phosphate removal, or so nutrient removal, or diminishing diminishing nutrient load, or removal of of pollutants. Okay. Usually, pollutants that are pretty nasty.
0: Chris, you do a lot of work. Well, you both do a lot of work on campus, but I know you have the work with the garden. Did you want to talk a bit about that?
1: Sure. That's um, a project that's been going now for, this is our third year, and so it's in collaboration with a local plastics manufacturer. They make degradable films for all kinds of things, but what we're looking at is using agricultural films that you basically lay down over a crop, and the films can be black or white or transparent or silver or whatever and uh, sometimes they'll be opaque so that sunlight can't get through and weeds won't grow. All of them regulate the temperature underneath the film. So on hot days it's not quite as hot at the plants. Uh, When it's cold it's a little bit warmer um, underneath the film and they hold in the moisture. So what we are looking at in our little research garden and in other studies in the lab here and at at that collaborator's lab, is how fast they degrade depending on the different things that we'll put in, as well as what's the effect of the different films on temperature and moisture and how much it helps the plants in terms of the yield we might get from a particular vegetable crop or something like that.
0: Okay. And how does that relate to more to maybe large-scale southern Ontario farming?
1: It's not... I mean, you can see plastic agricultural mulch used all over the place. Ontario has some going on for sure, and if you drive by Holland Marsh in the beginning of the growing season, you'll see some of it out there. It's not as widely used here as it is in Europe, from what I'm told, because of different attitudes towards pesticides and that kind of thing, where they don't use them as much, whereas um, in North America, we're not quite as restricted. So, People use it for sure. The use is on the rise, and more and more people are realizing, oh, I can put down a film, and I don't have to water nearly as much. I don't have to use insecticides or herbicides or anything like that. I get longer growing seasons, effective growing seasons, rather, and that kind of thing. So more and more people are using it, but it's still not a very big percentage of agriculture.
0: And you've had a lot of students' involvement with the garden as well, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure, Terry, you probably work... A lot Mm -hmm. with students, so is that like a good experience? For no, it's awful. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) what's it like? I know something kind of unique here is a lot of uh, the undergraduates get a lot of research experience. Mm -hmm. Why is that important, or how do you
2: for undergrads to get research experience, irrespective of the garden?
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean it's a it's a it's wonderful i mean if the students have an inclination for science the fact that they have the ability of being involved in real research and in a lab and directly in contact with the faculty that is spearheading their the research that's it's an amazing opportunity for the student it's not something you see probably in a big university like a bigger university you probably see higher level students so probably third or fourth year level students that are in contact with members of a big lab so but not necessarily the faculty that is the leader right whereas here is is just great i mean they get hands on experience right away and you know they get one on one interaction
1: mm-hmm.
2: with you know with the researcher and i like that's that's just great if the if the students have science inclination right i mean we have a lot of students that for one reason or another are not and but even students that not necessarily are in a science program We've had them as uh, students, and just because they feel attracted to research, and nowhere else you would see that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nowhere else. If you're not in a chemistry major, you would never have research in hands-on research in chemistry. But here, is like you're just inclined, and it's it's and it's great because it opens paths for the student. It it gives them tools on their on their toolbook. You know, it's wow.
0: it's wonderful. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you asking me if I agree? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Everything she said, okay. but in a lower voice.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, so you've done... <laughs> let's talk about your research that you've done together. Do you want to talk more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's the work that we did on coffee. Right now, this project that just got accepted, that tomorrow's the principal investigator on it, that's looking at um, nutrient removal from wastewater and coming up with novel ways to... Remove that. Is there anything else exactly that?
2: Well, we worked on OCE stuff. Like we worked. Oh on, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we worked sure. on, on membranes. Mm-hmm. Like membranes.
1: Yeah, we spent a year working with another company, in uh, based out of Mississauga, and they were, they develop membranes to separate gases, and those membranes are based on a, a biodegradable polymer called Kytazan, and so Tamara and I worked with them with um, a couple undergraduate research assistants to basically you know, learn more about the raw materials that they're using to make their mm-hmm. things out of. So we worked together and we're continuing to work together on a study of coffee and how changing process parameters like grinding and roasting and that kind of thing, how does that actually influence the characteristics of the, the cup that you drink and then this this water project that's just getting started. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I know we've discussed it before, but what kind of started your interest on doing the coffee research together, or what what like what piqued your interest to do, to that? do it? Yeah,
2: I was, I don't know, I was bored. <laughs> I was bored. And Chris, Chris came up with this, and I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> it was one of those things that you know,
1: it seemed like um, something that we could easily, yeah. Find a an answer to that question. Yeah, it
2: was a nice self-contained problem, mm-hmm. you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and I guess I guess it was something that it was interesting. It's interesting that uh, what we did at the time was to find how grinding time changes the amount of caffeine in coffee, in brewed coffee. And it's funny because everybody talks about it, right? Like you 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 know, like people go to to a coffee shop and they go like, oh, you shouldn't have espresso because you have more caffeine and then it will, you know It will keep you awake longer or and then people will tell you no, no, no It's a drip machine that gives you more caffeine. So it's kind of like people talk about it And it was funny that it wasn't really quantified in the scientific literature mm-hmm. So we just quantified it. So it seemed something that it was fairly easy to do and the answer was missing
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it was surprising that I mean, that's that's where it has to start with if you're surprised that the information that you think everybody should know isn't out there and it's something that you think well, I could probably answer this question then that's that's a good way to start
2: oh and we've also collaborated in the I don't know how much research that is. It is somehow research here and there, but in the... Don't
1: talk about the newspaper article. Is that what you were about to say? I was going to
2: ask you anyway. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That is so totally what I was going to (laughs) say. Why don't you want to
0: talk about it? Why don't you want to talk
2: about it? It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Chris is a little bit ashamed of it. I'm
1: not ashamed. (laughs) I was volunteered for this. (laughs) He was.
2: He was. He was absolutely... I felt like I wanted to write a column in the newspaper, a scientific column mm-hmm. for Aurelians to read about what faculty can do in their university that is around the corner and maybe get some interesting questions and conversations going on and you know, just to add to the pot of things that people talk about mm-hmm. in Coffee shops.
1: <laughs> well, it was supposed to be something where people would read it and they would send in yeah, their questions. The only one person has sent no, in any good questions.
0: No, Chris, no but one has. There's hasn't. a out No, you can see. Yeah,
1: there's call a call you, there's, in article, every article. there's a call at the end of
2: the article. Right. Every article at the end says that if you have any questions or if you would like a topic to be discussed, um, you can email us. And the email for the the email for the column is there. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a Lakehead email. But it's not our personal email. No. So we haven't received any emails. So that's why I think Chris is a little bit annoyed at the point <laughs> that, that I I sold this to him as something amazing that, yeah. like, I remember telling him and he was going like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. People, like, email us what they want to know. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't
1: think we'd have to come up with the idea ourselves <laughs> then, every month.
2: And then every month we're like, so what do you want to write, write about today? <clears throat> Nobody suggests anything? Nope. No emails, uh, so and we've had no email, emails. Email
0: them.
2: I <laughs> it's science in the making at lakeedu.ca, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, science in the making at LakeHadU.ca. And
0: you're continuing the series. Yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So it comes out the Friday, the last Friday of every month, and it's uh, usually it's it's a scientific question. It's just it's written very colloquially and. You know, it's usually a scientific question that, that has relevance, that, Mm -hmm. that it's not, it's not something that is ethereal, you know, this scientist talking their things and nobody understands what they're saying. It's, it's really down to earth, you know, should I, should I go into Timmy's and grab my coffee or should I go and, and stand in, in the 10 line drive through car line? You're not supposed to
1: stand there. I think she means to be in the car.
2: In the car.
0: (laughs) You don't stand? You don't
2: go with your car and stand right next to it? How do you order then?
1: Well, well, the window will come down. uh, Anyway. (laughs) No, I mean, things that we've written about are that kind of general interest things, like what's the pros and cons of idling versus stopping and starting. Um, Most recently looking at... How air conditioners work, and whether it makes more sense to have a big air conditioner or a little air conditioners um... spread all throughout your house. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. What else? All right, Clouds things we or...
2: think we think we think it's it's things that people would be interested. We looked once at the um, you know mm. solar power. Yeah. So so if you install solar powers, uh, solar panels, environmentally speaking, if you take into account the cost, are you actually helping or not? And again, there's, there's quite a few, uh, scientific papers of people that dedicate their entire lives to analyze this. Our way of putting it is, is very, you know, for the general public. Mm-hmm. Some, that particular article generated a lot of interest because, um, it goes online too. Yeah. And, um, people commented a lot. We had a huge number of comments on that one in particular, but it's the only one we've ever had comments. And now, since a couple months ago, um, the packet, and I understand all local newspapers have removed the comments on their on their articles. Hmm. So now it was, apparently it was too hard to moderate. So now that feedback is lost. Yeah. And then definitely the email feedback has never been there. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it's kind of frustrating.
0: That sort of leads so. into a line question questioning I wanted to bring up with you guys, was that you're both kind of very good at taking dense research and making it accessible to a wider audience. So I just want to know, like, why do you want to, Like, why is that something you're... I don't know if you're passionate about it, or you just kind of really Chris want to... Chris does it because to... he really
2: doesn't know anything else. No. Okay.
1: Yeah, I have yeah. to have things simplified for me. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> I even know when I, I read the coffee paper, and I thought, is this the same thing that you were sure. telling me about? Yeah. Because I would have never gotten what you said out of that, I guess, if someone with, like, not a hard science background. Well,
2: I guess the key... I find the key always is in knowing your audience. If you if you're writing a scientific paper for a scientific journal, your audience <clears> is not going to be the same audience as if you're talking on a public talk, right? If you know your audience and you can tailor for them, then it's it's not hard. Why do we do it? Because otherwise, it's not totally mean- meaningless. I, I would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, these are all topics, or they should be topics that. All kinds of people are interested in outside of the scientific community, but you're right, you do have to you have to make a change and, and bring it to them in a language that's going to be accessible. So part of that kind of outreach is just reaching a wider audience and more people are interested and understand what we're doing in terms of science. Some of it is education, you know, whether it's formal education in the classroom or you know people that are coming into the school to hear about what we're doing or you know it's education what what we're writing in the paper and that kind of thing too
0: do you think it? do you think it helps maybe with your lecturing like having that experience trying to like write it out in easier terms like yeah, does absolutely. that
2: yeah like i think that if you can take like something that scientific and has a high level of science and it's hard to comprehend for the general public and you can bring it down and give a talk and people are like, that was amazing. That's super interesting. And you can gauge the quality of your talk based on the feedback of people in terms of questions. If people don't have questions, they didn't get it. If people have a lot of questions, you do a good job. And I think that, you know, if, um, if you can do that for, for a general audience, you can definitely do that in the classroom, where in principle you have an audience that's interested in what you're saying, and like, you know, they're, they're, they're students, right? Like, they, they know their role is to be learning and absorbing new new knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you can do that for people that are just, you know, past buyers, or they just decided to sit in your talk, you should be able to do that with students too.
0: Well, to wrap it up, I always ask if you could Sum up your research in five words, or if you had to explain your research in five words, what five words would you choose? Yes.
2: Do they have to make a sentence? No. Oh, okay. keywords. Okay. Yeah. Key Either words. or is up to you. Either or what? Well, you could do oh. a sentence. <laughs> a haiku.
1: You have to do it in a haiku form.
2: Our yeah. <laughs> uh, haiku
0: five words.
1: I think it's like. Five, five, seven, sounds. five, or something like yeah. that. Are you you do
0: that want. Like? I'm open to that.
2: No, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I would be torn apart by like torn apart by English profs that listen to it or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm yeah. sure I got the five-five thing wrong already. You'll hear yeah. By yeah. By yeah. This is the moment that everybody's going to tune off and comment. How dare that person <laughs> say it though? Five keywords, keywords, Chris.
2: <laughs> five <laughs> keywords. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So it would be uh, materials, biopolymers, stormwater, wastewater, technology.
2: Wow, I I don't know. Five, eh?
0: Yeah.
2: Let's do wastewater, food, spectroscopy. See, I lost half the audience there. (laughs) Yeah, they just turned it off.
1: No. (laughs) How dare she? How dare she use words that most of us don't understand?
2: I don't know, environmental, I don't know, fun research. Hopefully, it's not boring research.
0: Interesting. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys again for joining me today. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Research Inside Out. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. You should also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lakehead Aurelia to stay up to date with all things Lakehead and to continue getting an inside look into the day to day happenings of our campus.